1: A kill switch for memcrash may have been found, and memcrash may be dangerous for other purposes than denial of service. Researchers in Hungary take a look at the shadow Brokers dumps and speculate about the purpose of the territorial dispute module. The Dutch tax authority sustained another DDoS attack last night. India's CERT renders a troubling report to Parliament. The FBI still wants a non-backdoor backdoor. And some notes from Synet itself. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Summary for Thursday, March 8, 2018. Researchers at security firm Carrero say they've found what amounts to a kill switch that can turn off memcache exploitation for denial of service purposes. They've notified various authorities and are working to make the remediation more generally available. So bravo Carrero for taking a shot at what's already proven a troublesome DDoS exploit. Carrero does mix this good news with some less good news. The vulnerability that can be used for DDoS could also let attackers steal or modify data on affected servers. University researchers in Hungary at the Laboratory of Cryptography and System Security thats Crisis lab of the Budapest University of Technology and Economics have announced the results of their study of the shadow brokers leak of what are said to be NSA hacking tools. Their most interesting conclusions are that the tools in the territorial dispute modules were particularly adapted to discerning the activities of competing state intelligence services. Wired looks at the shadow broker's leaks and particularly laments the widespread dissemination of Eternal Blue, which has been used in far too many attacks worldwide. The Dutch tax authority sustained another distributed denial-of-service attack yesterday. The disruption lasted about five hours. No data was lost or compromised, according to the Netherlands Times, The attack was a service interruption. The previous DDoS attack was in January. The suspect in that case was taken into custody last month. He said he did it for the lulls, as a joke. No attribution or, of course, arrests yet in yesterday's attacks. CERT-IN, India's computer emergency response team, has reported to Parliament that more than 20,000 of the country's websites, including 114 government sites, were attacked between last April and this past January. The Indian press is treating this as a serious matter, which it would seem to be. In legal news, Yahoo is said to have agreed to an $80 million settlement in a class action suit shareholders brought against the company in the wake of the breaches it began disclosing in 2016. FBI Director Ray, speaking at Boston College this week, painted a picture of a world effectively at war in cyberspace. He also resumed the Bureau's long-standing pleas for responsible encryption a non-backdoor backdoor that would enable properly authorized law enforcement authorities to break otherwise inaccessible devices in the course of investigations. Few think such a thing is possible. Any backdoor would have to be a backdoor, and hence an exploitable weakness, most observers in the tech community believe. The Bureau, in their view, may as well be asking for something made of unobtainium. The attempted assassination of a former GRU officer and his daughter in the UK over the weekend appears to have used a nerve agent. The victims, including at least one first responder, remain in serious condition. How the poison was delivered is unknown. Protecting against insider threats is an important part of every organization's security posture, with phishing attempts on the rise and the simple fact that we're all human and sometimes we make mistakes. Richard Henderson is a global security strategist at Absolute, and he makes the point that when it comes to insider threats, it may be in your best interest to expand the scope of what you're looking for.
0: A lot of people are starting to really appreciate the understanding that what we have traditionally thought of as insider threats only is a small portion of the equation um, the definition of an insider threat is is so much more broad in scope than, than what we've generally come to appreciate as as an insider threat so you know a perfect example you know we're all familiar with the Edward Snowdens and and people quitting a job and walking out the door with with you know um, everything on a thumb drive and yes those are absolutely types of insider threats but there's so much more beyond that that malicious or, or the malicious insider who's intentionally trying to to, to do harm, you know. You think about the system admin who you know has decided in a huff that he or she wants to leave the company and they nuke everything before they go. Right. You know, those are things you need to worry about. But at the same time, you know, I was at the Forrester Privacy and Security Summit uh, late last year, and uh, I sat in on a talk that specifically mentioned insider threats, and there was a, an interesting statistic that said you know over half of security incidents in an enterprise today involve an insider in some shape or form. And what does that mean? It means like, you know, for example, if your marketing team decides that they're gonna uh, email off a spreadsheet full of potentially sensitive customer data to a third party processor, and in some jurisdictions they didn't get the exclusive opt-in from those customers to share that data with that third party, technically that's, you know, that's an incident. And Mm -hmm. that is an incident that was caused by an insider. Uh, someone clicks on an email and they didn't mean to and they share some information they shouldn't have that's that's a different type of, of of incident that that involves an insider so there's a lot of attacks out there that are are precipitated on by someone on the inside doing something either they didn't mean to or or something they shouldn't have now of course you want to realize that people's intentions are good and they don't mean to, you know, most of the time intentionally or, or or negligently cause harm to the enterprise but they do through their actions or or in some cases lack of action.
1: Yeah, it seems to me like there's a there's an emotional component to that as well that it's natural for someone to think oh my gosh I made a mistake and now I'm going to get in trouble I better not say anything. Uh, but if you can reward people for doing the right thing somehow, even if it's just saying, hey, we're really glad you called us in here to help fix this, that that's really setting up that culture where that bigger picture security situation is top of mind for people.
0: Well, I mean, ask yourself this question. Would you rather have an employee come forward and say, look, I think this isn't right and have it be something totally innocent or something totally innocuous or have them not say anything at all and then something bad happens and you don't find out because it got through your defenses and it may take a long time before you realize something really bad has happened. I know what I'm going to pick and I would hope most people would pick that they would rather have their employees, you know, waste a little bit of help desk resources on the occasional false alarm than not saying anything and, and you're trying to clean up a giant mess later on down the road.
1: That's Richard Henderson from Absolute Software. Cynet's annual ITSEF conference wraps up today in Silicon Valley. The first day's sessions covered, as expected, the state of the cybersecurity industry. Some takeaways from the conference so far include the rapid maturation of deception technologies, which are beginning to assume an important role in security architectures. Executives whose companies have used them showed a surprising unanimity. Deception has been good to them, both effective and affordable. People view the explosive growth of the Internet of Things, of course, with considerable concern, especially the industrial Internet of Things, where a general failure to secure levels 0 and 1 render national infrastructures disturbingly vulnerable to catastrophic disruption. A panel yesterday on the IOT urged schools of engineering in particular to begin teaching students how to design for a high-threat environment. As one panelist said, civil engineers design always against gravity. Now electrical, industrial, and systems engineers should start designing against an environment rife with attackers. Another interesting discussion considered regulation and liability. The current regulatory environment, especially GDPR and recent consent decrees obtained by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, has effectively made businesses responsible, fairly or unfairly, like it or not, for their customers' endpoints. Businesses would do well to come to grips with this new reality and the cybersecurity market itself has changed. Vendors find that the CISOs they wish to sell to aren't so available. They've gone into hiding. Cynet CEO Robert Rodriguez said, you won't find those CISOs walking the floor of RSA in the old approachable way. They've secluded themselves in hotel suites, and Rodriguez thinks tone-deaf vendor marketing is responsible. No one, as he put it, wants to be approached by some guy on roller skates wearing a gorilla suit a comment with which one must reluctantly agree. So before you strap on those skates and say step right up, friend, take some time to listen and understand what the customer might actually want and need. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by David DeFore. He's the Senior Director of Engineering and Cybersecurity at Webroot. David, welcome back. Uh, we have seen some crazy stories about cryptocurrency. Uh, the numbers are all over the place, and that attracts the bad guys. So, what, what's your guidance here? Is it should people be wary when jumping into this stuff? You know, Ed,
2: David. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, and. Absolutely, and and we're not going to talk today about whether you know buying cryptocurrencies uh, the right thing to do or not. You know we're, we're not investment advisors, obviously. Right, right. But 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 what what really people need to be aware of is where are they buying um, the, these cryptocurrencies? Because you know the the first big Bitcoin market set up in Japan was set up uh, on such a simple platform that it was easily hacked, and the whole thing was blown up. The the, the guy who started it's in jail now. Um, but it. It, it's a function of uh, are, are you comfortable and paying attention to where you're actually buying your cryptocurrency and and real quick for example december 6th uh there was a crypto site that was hacked november 25th a crypto site that was hacked august 22nd crypto site that was hacked july 19th crypto site that was hacked hmm. so These sites, and and I'm not talking like the good ones. There's good sites where they're asking you um, and they're doing good security. There's a lot of startup sites that don't put security top of mind and they're getting attacked heavily because there's so
1: much money to be made. So don't uh, get drawn in by the promise of uh, quick profits without doing your due diligence on the security behind the scenes.
2: Uh, that's exactly right. In, in all honesty, I'm a big fan of, of of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and and the idea behind them, and not being attached to you know you know government entities and stuff, really opens up markets. But make sure that if you're buying it you're buying it from a reputable place and i'm not going to steer people to new york where new york has regulations about this they regulate and monitor cryptocurrency exchanges that start up there but you might spend a little bit of time understanding how the exchanges work how they're regulated what's going on behind the scenes before you just open up a wallet and buy something
1: talk to your financial professional right well, they might
2: scratch their head, too. I, I'm going to say they give you a call, David. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely.
1: We definitely don't want them to do that. That's for sure. <laughs> what about, uh, you know, the hardware wallets that I see people uh, selling? Is this something to explore?
2: You know, again, it's something to look into. And I think they're they're not a bad idea. Just all of this is so new and it's so the Wild West understand who you're buying it from, you know, what kind of platform it's been built on. And and the thing is, it, it, if you're not a highly technical person who's familiar and comfortable with researching technology, you're going to have to find some third source to trust that you trust to to make a good recommendation because so much of this stuff comes up and down every day my and and i'm theorizing here david that you're going to see some hardware crypto wallets that aren't legitimate hardware crypto wallets that you're going to buy and then somebody's going to steal your currency off those you know because they're spoofing them and you just you everyone has to be very conscious of what they're doing i know everybody's excited they want to get in on you know cryptocurrency and and and, in the speculative nature and everybody's going to make a billion dollars but i i just Take the time to understand where you're buying, not just what you're buying.
1: All right, good advice as always. David DeFor, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program with the largest network of trust centers? Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
2: Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us.
1: And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up.